Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Tuesday afternoon. Joining us from Orlando, Florida, where he will be going to Cavs Magic in a couple hours tonight. It's Nick Friedel. B, it's always good to be with you, but especially from home. It's 90 degrees out at the beginning of April. I'm loving life right now. Yeah, back in your old stomping grounds. You kind of claim several home cities, but Orlando is where you grew up. The going to the arena for Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, there there should be pictures of me and my Horace Grant goggles from uh, <laughs> way back in time. You know, that was that was my, the Shaq and Penny Magic were my team. That's how I learned about the game and going in there to Amway Center isn't exactly the same, but uh, there's still the memories that come flooding back. This is a special podcast. It's a special Syracuse podcast because Nick went to Syracuse. Our producer Jackson went to Syracuse. And joining us from Salt Lake City, where he's going to the Lakers Jazz game in a couple hours, is one of Syracuse's finest, Dave McMenamin. Hello. 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 Hey, Brian, uh, Brian Hill's still at Emway Center. You can see him. I do. Every time. Right? Every time it's got to give you some juice. It's so awesome. I mean, truly to, to walk around and there's Nick Anderson and Bo Outlaw. They're the community ambassadors to, to see that old group is to know anybody went in those, those old games and B you were in there and, and Dave, you oh, were yeah. in there. I mean that the old Orlando arena later TD Waterhouse center, it was rocking in there. It was loud as hell. No fake, crappy uh, noise from the scoreboard. It was it was fun. When I started uh, going there, it was called the Waterhouse. That was what it was called when I was going there. Uh, <clears throat> Nike may or may not have uh, re-released the Air Penny 2s, and there may or may not have been a spring sale on Nike.com, and I may or may not have taking advantage of that spring sale to add a pair of the air penny twos and patent leather to my expansive shoe collection. I, I can't confirm nor deny this occurring within the last seven to 10 days, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. Uh, I don't remember what the air pennies look like. I remember the commercials with the puppet. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I remember the, the commercials with Tyra Banks. <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> All right, well, we talk about the NBA. Um, we're going to start with now. Okay, look, look, we had an advantage on Sunday. There were no NBA games on Monday, but now the NBA is back and forth. So, look, we don't know what's going to happen in the like 12 NBA games that have tonight, including the game that Dave is at, um, <clears throat> that has a lot of consequence. So, we are a little bit behind, but this is the best we can do. So, we acknowledge that we are not omnipotent. And so, it is what it is. There's a ton of important NBA games tonight. One of the things, one of the teams I want to talk about is a team that is, I think, going to win tonight, hosting the Spurs, um, the Phoenix Suns, who are undefeated with Kevin Durant in the lineup. Nick, you were just out there last week for Durant's first home games um, against the Nuggets. And who was his first home game against? Minnesota. Minnesota which uh, they beat Minnesota. Minnesota was on a winning streak. I don't think they've won since. Um, And this is, Phoenix is in good shape 
for getting the three seed. It's not locked down. I'm sorry, the four seed. It's not locked down, but they come into tonight <clears throat> two and a half games again uh, ahead of a bunch of teams, three games in the loss column uh, ahead of the Clippers, Warriors, Lakers, and Pelicans. They're in good shape to get that fourth seed. Um, and if they get it, the question is, will they play everybody Friday um, in L.A. against the Lakers? But beyond that, Nick, um, I've spent a lot of time around the Suns this year. You've spent time around the Suns. Um, KD is uh, like 23-2 and two in the last 25 games he's played, and I think you've been at about 21 of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, doesn't he know it? Every time I show up, he looks at me like, you again? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I thought I left you with that reaction. To you, I, I mean, I teed <laughs> that up so high for you that I was just waiting for it to come back around. We're just, <clears throat> we're right in our three man re- weave right now, right where we need yeah, to be. That's right. Phoenix is one of the more fascinating teams in the whole league because um, they are as dangerous of a four seed as you'll probably ever see because of Durant Booker uh, combo. And then obviously Chris Paul and Aiden. But, um, they're obviously a, still a flawed team. So, Nick, what did you take away from seeing the Suns the last couple of games um, and where you think they are in terms of, you know, actually making a real run in this postseason? If it's my money, B, I'm still betting on Phoenix to get through the West. And I am doing that because of Kevin Durant. I've watched it far too many years now. You mentioned the record that he has coming into Tuesday night's games. The feeling when Kevin is on the floor is the same feeling, at least in my experience, when he was with the Warriors, when he was with the Nets for the last few seasons, and certainly in this brief window in time where he's been with the Suns. It's like, big brother's here, and he's going to come kick everybody's ass. Kevin gives everybody else on the floor that much more confidence, and It doesn't take him very long to find a rhythm with new teammates. You could name a hundred different guys who have played with him through the years who say he's one of the easiest players to play with because he creates so much space for everybody else. But the biggest thing to me, watching him in Phoenix, having seen him around that new group just a little bit now, when he shows up and he's on the floor, everybody else looks around and goes, hey, we got Kevin Durant. This thing is a wrap. And certainly there's going to be more challenging times in the playoffs. And we're going to see just how much Chris Paul has left in the tank. But to me, guys, when you watch these sons, you know exactly what you're getting from Kevin. If he can stay healthy, you know exactly what you're getting from Booker. The bench still has some question marks they have to figure out. But if they get something night to night from Chris Paul, that is a dangerous, dangerous team with a guy who is very motivated to show that he can still do it at a high level. And I throw this at the end in as well. Kevin hadn't hardly played any games since the first of the year. There's been so much focus. He's only played a handful of games with the Suns. He got hurt like the second week of January with the Nets. This is a fresh Kevin Durant. This is a guy who has not had all that wear and tear on his body all those minutes. I think that is a huge plus for Phoenix as they start this playoff push. Well, one of the things we saw when the Kyrie uh, experiment <laughs> started in the Dallas was the sort of difficulty. I, I think that's exactly how it has to go every time now. The the Kyrie experiment. <laughs> there's well, there's got to be a little, was... a little air at the end there, like a little chuckle or something. Just, it it can't little... just be, well, when Kyrie went to Dallas, 
<laughs> there's got to I be. was a little bit worrisome. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit worrisome that Luca had to come out today and say that he was not shutting it down for the season, uh, and that he would um, continue to play until they were eliminated, um, which is never good when you've got three multiple games left. But he didn't rule out shutting it down if uh, they were eliminated, and he basically indicated he goes i know it's a long shot for us um so i think we've reached the acceptance stage in dallas but obviously Kyrie and um and luca had some issues finding a rhythm when they first started playing together and even though durant and booker haven't played that many minutes together there's no mistaking that there's a much better rhythm that's developed early on between the two of them now they've had some advantage of a lot more practice time than I think Kyrie and Luca had, even though the Kyrie trade happened first, they've really, the sun's just the way things have fallen and Durant coming back from injuries have had a lot more sort of side work on it, but I'm pretty sure that um, Booker is averaging like two more assists per game um, than, uh, um, than he was with, with Durant playing than he was before. I think he's averaging seven assists with Durant, uh, the games he's played with Durant and, um, and five assists in the games without him. And like most of those assists, like I think he's got um, something like 15 assists to Durant already this, you know, and I think the f- five or six games they've played. So like that's working uh, to this point. It's not uh, a significant sample, but they also have been a juggernaut offensively um, when they've, when they've played, there was the one game, that you were at the Wolves game where KD didn't shoot well. He basically didn't make a shot for the first like quarter and a half. Um, but other than that game, they've pretty much been killing it offensively. And defensively, they've been okay. Um, not great, but not terrible. And so it's a profile of a team that might have a shot. You know, my, my concern with them is that they're not going to have enough coming off their bench that's reliable. And also that when push comes to shove, the teams are going to force the ball to whoever the, the weakest player on the court is, or at least the most unproven player. And um, I think that that's something that you can do in a playoff series when you can really, really game plan. Uh, but, you know, the bad break for the Suns is um, they might have a really <laughs> formidable foe in the first round. And, you know, one of the things that could happen is, Dave, they could get to Friday and depending on where the Lakers are, the Lakers, Clippers, and Warriors are, they might be able to quasi have control over who they play at least a little bit. And so I know that the Clippers are going full out Wednesday night against the Lakers. That's a vitally important game. Uh, I don't, I think the Suns will be incentivized to win on Friday, but I'm not hundred percent sure. The question is whether the Lakers will be incentivized to win Friday should they beat the Jazz and beat the Clippers. Because if it gets down to a situation where they have more information on how the standings are going to go and say they feel confident that, say, they go one-on-one over the final two games, that they're going to get the sixth seed. Do you want the five seed to play the Phoenix Suns? Now, I've talked to – LeBron about this concept over the years in terms of not upsetting the basketball gods by trying to manipulate the standings late in the year. You've got to go out and, and try to win games. But 
listen, not that the Suns would want to play the Lakers the way the Lakers have been playing either, but if you're the Lakers, you'd rather play the Kings in the first round and have that team to go through first, uh, continue, you know, theoretically play good basketball for a couple weeks, win high stake games, gain confidence, gain continuity with this, this roster before you got to face Kevin Durant. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Nick, who do you think the Suns would choose knowing that the Pelicans are still in there <clears throat> as an option to get to five as well? Who do you think the Pelicans, I mean, the uh, Suns would choose if they could for their opposite number in the four or five match? Not the Warriors, not the Clippers. <laughs> but uh, at this point, B, I obviously haven't watched the Clippers play the Suns. Uh, the the Clippers, when they're healthy and everybody's out there, Kawhi, Paul George, the length, that is a tough, tough matchup. But I tell you that I don't think the, the Suns fear anybody, and I don't, I don't think they fear anybody because Kevin's back. I think it's really that simple. If, if they had to make their pick, uh, my guess would be uh, that – They'd, they'd rather see a Warriors team that just cannot get right uh, on the road instead of a Clippers team that we've seen when they are up and running. They can play with anybody, but I just don't think it matters. I think they know if Kevin is out there, if Booker is playing at the level we know he can, that they can beat anybody in their way. And I think such a big mental hurdle for Kevin came and just playing in that game at home in Phoenix the other night against Minnesota. I mean, guys, I was standing in the locker room. He comes running in from the pregame, and he comes into the training room, and you could hear him. He goes, we got through that because he was so <laughs> – his mind was so focused on that Not strange, spraining his ankle. <laughs> exactly. Getting through, not spraining his ankle in such a weird – uh, injury that occurred be when you were there the first time. So once that occurred and they've just been able to play the game and the focus, and this ties back into all the Dallas drama, the focus is just on the game of basketball. I, of course, they're going to have an interesting and tough first round matchup, but uh, I just don't think it matters to them because they know at their best, at least the belief is they'll roll through anybody in their way. Nick, were you inspired by Tim Bonsam's Twitter account where he's just putting up the curse words without any sort of redaction now that you're going to start cursing on the pod? Is that I haven't even seen – is Timmy B cussing on Twitter now? No, no, no. He, he quoted Kyrie Irving saying it was a cluster F, but he, he wrote the full word. Oh, wow. You, well, Timmy you just B. told us a story about Kevin Durant just dropping, dropping an expletive. I mean, it – it it needed it for emphasis. <laughs> I see. It needed it for emphasis, but no, I don't want to make this a uh, a, a common theme. I can uh, I can I really can handle myself when I need to. Uh, Brian, I do have one point about the the son's death because I agree with you. It's been something that's concerning to me, name wise, when you look at their group because it's like who obviously you lose Cam Johnson in the trade, who was a reliable player off their bench over the last couple of years, but. You know, overall numbers, and again, this is the season numbers, so the, the team has changed, but they're 11th in the league in bench scoring for the season. They're top five in bench point differential. And I, I wouldn't know have expected guy, that. That's actually a pretty surprising stat. 
and a couple guys who obviously hadn't had the time to, to, to fully fit in, but, but playing alongside Kevin Durant, I could see Terrence Ross and, and TJ Warren, you know, having some moments in these playoffs. I think the depth that does concern me is after DeAndre, Ayton, you know, and he's been known for having some foul troubles in the past. For after sure. DeAndre Ayton, Jock Londell and Bismack Biombo and maybe Ish Wainwright, like that, that is pretty thin and they're going to have to potentially face some dominant big men in the playoffs and Anthony Davis and uh, obviously Nikola Jokic. And, and so they get to the finals. You're talking about. Zubac. Uh, yeah, sure. It was a big zoom. You know, More Hoop Collective podcast after this. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. I, I, I thought about this. So first off, Jackson points something out that last year, you remember Boston, you remember this Nick Boston had a, had a sort of a choice on whether or not they should try to win and get Brooklyn. People were worried about Brooklyn. Um, they just said screw it and won and got Brooklyn, um, and it 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 also put them on the same side of the bracket as Milwaukee, um, and they just did it. And it, I mean, they smacked Brooklyn. They swept them, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't a sweep. Yeah, yep, it was. And and then they beat uh, Milwaukee in seven. It ended up working out for them uh, because you know it's not just when you look at trying to get the six seed, it's not just trying to play sack it's also avoiding the side of the bracket with phoenix and denver and i know people will kind of say well why would the lakers who have been over 500 for 15 minutes be trying to worry about what side of the bracket they're on well if you had a choice why wouldn't you (laughs) you know like uh you know if if you if you could do some manipulation and you actually felt like you'd get away with it why wouldn't you um but i you know, in thinking about the Suns, I think they would obviously probably rather. So here's the thing. The Pelicans give the Suns problems. Okay. I don't know if like Willie, like like one thing, like last year when they played him in the playoffs, like Willie Green pressured the heck out of Chris Paul. Um, and it really bothered them. Uh, Jose Alvarado was hurt. So they, you know, but that, that whole thing was, you know, caused an issue. Um, it's not a comfortable matchup for for the Suns. Okay, so while they're probably of those teams in terms of straight talent, probably the weaker team, 
Um, I'm not sure the Suns would choose that in the draft. Uh, obviously, the Warriors. I see. I wouldn't want the Warriors, Nick, because I'm afraid of not afraid. You know, that's a trigger word in the NBA. If you're afraid. You're scared. I don't want to mess with that potential lineup that was a finals team. I mean, I agree that they haven't demonstrated that they can get it done on, on the road, but they're still potent. So the Lakers, you know, I keep saying that the Lakers are not really the seventh seed. That's where they are right now. By tomorrow, they may be the fifth seed because their record to me is not 40 and 38. Their record is what they are since the trade, which is, 14 and seven, and that's without mostly LeBron. And I think AD is a real weapon that is hard to manage. So I tentatively think they might want the Clippers. We know Paul George is probably not going to play in that series. Kawhi has been really good lately. They're just so inconsistent. They're really deep. I, I don't feel strongly about it, but I might say the Clippers. I might. Um, I don't know. I, 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 it gets strange, and that's just such a weird thing where you're in control as the fourth seed. I think um, historically in the seven-game series of the first round, which I think now is like 20 years old, uh, the, five, the four seed has won 58% of the time. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, awesome. it's close. Yeah, it's close. Um, but like, I, I don't, you know, there's never been a year like this. And then you look at the difference between five and six. I don't know. Um, my guess is that Friday, Dave, the Suns will play to win. Because if nothing else, um, they're going to need the reps. They really can't, you know, they really could just use more time together. Also, it's a good environment because the Lakers are probably, you know, going to be incentivized to win for probably. Um, and just it's a team that's playing really well right now. So I don't know. We'll talk about the Lakers in a bit, but, you know, I think it's, it's more, there's more clarity if you're like the Lakers or Warriors, you'd rather not play the Suns as opposed to the Suns situation. I think the part that would scare me be is the word that you mentioned with the Clippers, though, and that's depth. They can just yeah. hit you in so many different ways. And Dave, I mean, we outlined the Suns don't really have that kind of depth, certainly, but they don't have those guys right now that we would trust going through the roster before a playoff series to say, okay, I know exactly what I'm getting from this guy, this guy, this guy. I mean, Damian Lee won a title with the Warriors. He hadn't even been playing. So there are a lot of different layers to this but i think you could make that argument for any of those teams you mentioned the new orleans uh, the warriors certainly with steph uh, and a motivated draymond going against kevin every night the, the i mean people were talking about that finals can you imagine if that finals had ever happened warriors versus nets it, it never occurred but draymond would make it his personal mission <laughs> after every game to just take the mic and just start railing on whatever was in front of him and and all the old stuff with uh with kevin and the competitiveness between those two guys so uh, i think you could go either way but i think kevin is that ultimate trump card that is a good point though because brian you know when i was covering the Cavs those years and we spent a ton of time in cleveland together there was always the talk this time of the season 
are the Cavs going to play Miami? And what type of yeah. kind of mental warfare would that play on LeBron James? And I wonder the same thing with the Suns, the people around the Suns organization. Obviously, they have total confidence in Kevin Durant's abilities. It's not about that. It's just the extra layer of, of having a Warriors playoff series. And if that would add, you know, the Draymond factor, if that would add something to it that they'd rather avoid. He's still way, never played in Chase. Remember that part of it. He's never had the game with fans. Yeah. And the Warriors made that that big video that <laughs> they've been waiting to play now for a while. He had the COVID game when there was nobody in there, but there's never they been. They didn't play eight. the video during the COVID game? Like, why Well, they not? played a smaller one. Now there's okay. supposed to be a bigger one or was supposed to be when. Well, no, wait a minute. Let's call a 20-second timeout. 20-second timeout. Would you play a tribute video game in a playoff series in a playoff game? I don't Ooh, think I would do that. Wow. Now this is good. I I you know what? Going going off what what Dave was just saying, I probably would. <laughs> because <laughs> because then you've got Kevin who's going to try to block all this stuff out, but you would think it's a a big standing ovation because they're showing him knockdown shot after shot over LeBron and winning those two titles. I would play it if for no other reason than just to be like, hey, Kevin, you're the man. Well, we're going to go try to win now. But, hey, thanks for the memories. Yeah, just shine a light on the elephant in the room. I'm thinking about that. So, you know, the Warriors are a classy organization for the most part. I could see them wanting to do it. But, you know, in the playoffs, you you know, it's, it, you know, it's all out battle. It's not really a a couth thing to honor an opponent um, unless they thought it would somehow get inside Kevin's head, which has been known to happen. I don't know. Playoff basketball is as, you know, contrasted and ruthless and black and white as that background that you have behind you, Brian. Thank you, sir. I've been waiting for a moment to talk about that background. Oh, there. I mean, a pro pro right there, folks. He left in 2019. It is, he's already left. I mean, it seems kind of strange. I I don't think they do it. I don't think they do it. Um, But, but, but B, this is what Dave's saying it's mental. The playoffs are mental. What can you do to get some kind of advantage when you can get it? And as much as Kevin may brush it off, the hype would certainly be there going into that first game, if that is indeed the matchup. And if they press play in, in the middle of the first quarter, <laughs> and it's just all these Kevin highlights of him kicking everybody's butt up and down the floor, and then they cut to him. If for nothing else, it would be one awkward playoff moment. That is oh for sure. Oh, my God. I, well, look, I would love to see the Warriors play the Suns. I would just like to see it in the conference finals. Um, uh, not necessarily the first round, because I don't know if either of them could be their best in the first round, but there are other conference finals matchups that would be really intriguing as well, such as, you know, potentially Warriors Lakers could happen in the, in the conference finals. Of course it could be Nuggets Grizzlies one, two, the chalk could carry. That could Adam happen. Silver not exactly as enthralled <laughs> with that possibility. Mr. Well, Hurt. I'm just uh, I'm just wondering, you know, when it comes to the Nuggets, I mentioned this on the pod the other day. I, I'm just wondering, you know, where uh, this injury, where Jokic, you know, he missing multiple games with his calf injury, and you know, calf injuries are are sensitive. So, 
Um, the Nuggets are playing in Houston on Tuesday night. It's, you know, they're all locked up, but I don't know about, about that calf injury. Um, calf injuries are so like Dave, hamstring injuries. Like they are bare. And if you rush them back, you're going to be, be dealing with it for a while. Well, this is just what Carl Towns was talking about. Now, Carl Towns' calf injury was severe, um, but like he kind of came back and he re-aggravated and it was, it was set him back months. Yeah. Um, so it's not like a pain, like it's not like an ankle, like a, a turned ankle, like you come back, it's pain. And obviously, you know, you're more susceptible to re-injuring it, but, um, something about calf and hamstring in, in the time I've covered the league, those are very much lingering issues. Right. So Dave, I posited, you'll probably disagree with me, but I posited on TV today that the two games uh today against the jazz in salt lake where you are and tomorrow against the clippers are the two most important games for the lakers since the bubble um i realized that they played in the playoffs in 2021 and i realized that they were ahead of the suns and the people say that if anthony davis didn't get hurt that maybe they would have won that series i don't know if that's true I think the Suns were pretty damn good. They were the two seed. The Lakers were the seven. The Suns won the West. Chris Chris Paul was hampered, though. Like they they could have gotten by that Suns team uh, if AD didn't get hurt. All right. Well, either whether or not that's, I don't want to go back and forth about that. It's two pretty big games, um, and the Lakers have so far won the first few games on this road trip. Um, this is this is a, a big game, and the thing is even though I know that the jazz have been losing a lot, they've been very competitive and the jazz quite frankly, still have control over their destiny. Um, Bon temps wrote up a thing that was in my uh, hoop collective column that runs every Tuesday um, where he analyzed the big games of the week. If the jazz beat the Lakers tonight and the, and the thunder lose uh, the thunder lose to the warriors in San Francisco tonight, which is, quite possible the warriors are in a dogfight for playoff seeding to avoid the play-in and the thunder have been losing recently then the jazz basically set up their own play-in game against the thunder uh i think it's on thursday is when that game is so the jazz you know they're still they still control their destiny if they win the next two games they might be able to get in i am expecting the jazz to go for it tonight um, even though they've been weakened by injuries and by trades. And so uh, the Lakers have a real challenge on their hands tonight, and then the Clippers tomorrow who have beaten the Lakers 10 in a row. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers will benefit uh, not having Walker Kessler in there. And uh, obviously Anthony Davis has just been on a, such a role. I mean, this is the best basketball literally I've, I've seen him play since he came to LA and that obviously is taking into account winning a championship uh, because the level of efficiency he's playing with and then force on the offensive end and then force on the defensive end. Uh, it's just total control and confidence. And he's going to be licking his chops, looking in the middle and seeing that the jazz have nothing for him. Uh, now the question is whether, his back-to-back restriction will be lifted uh, for this final back-to-back of the season. Uh, you know, it, it's out of the coaching staff's hands. It's out of Anthony Davis's hands, uh, as we've been told over and over again. Uh, the Lakers medical staff 
recognize that there's been a program that Anthony Davis has been on uh, after missing 20 straight games with a very complicated right foot foot issue. And he had an MRI about a month ago. There's still a bone bruise in that foot. And the medical kind of diagnosis is overuse will spike the chance of re-injuring it to the point where the pain level is not something that he can play with, which could lead to him missing a chunk of time. You miss a chunk of time this time of the the year, it's all for naught. And so I'm not convinced that you'll see him against the Clippers. Uh, The Lakers, perhaps in a connected move, have now upgraded Mobamba to doubtful for the Jazz game, which my indication that he's probably not going to play against the Jazz, but um, a good chance he'll play against the Clippers. Well, you know, that would be more helpful to have him playing center if you don't have AD against the Clippers. But these are huge games. And all these games are also huge for LeBron, who, you know, we take for granted because it's LeBron. But same conversation we're talking about Kevin Durant. LeBron hasn't played a ton of basketball lately. And he needs these games to get back into rhythm. And of the four games he's played so far, the game at Chicago, I thought we saw kind of a full command I thought so. And I was like, I I honestly was, I guess at some point it becomes rote. I've been covering this guy for nine years and and you kind of take for granted some of the things he does, but for him to be that sharp that quickly after tearing tendon in the right foot was, was pretty incredible to me. That was the uh, night where I thought the Lakers, I I might've become a believer that night watching that game. Yeah. I mean, he was getting every spot he wanted to on the court. He was not taking plays off defensively. He was, you know, showing his burst when they're playing north and south. Uh, and obviously, the team is coalescing right now. Um, you know, it, it It's impressive to not only have AD playing the way he is and LeBron not looking like he's missed a beat, but any given night, Lonnie Walker can score 20 against the Thunder. Rui Hachimura can score 20 against the Rockets. Uh, you know, they play kind of Malik Beasley teams. is either going to go one for nine or six for nine on threes. Yeah, and like a in a Beasley playoff series, game. he'll probably have two killer games and five forgettable ones. Beasley has 11 games so far with the Lakers where he's missed five threes or more. And he has four games where he's hit five threes or more. So right. more often a, than a not. true Big Ten player. That's probably why Dave loves him <laughs> so much. He sees his basketball world coming together. I love it. Shooters. Shoot, Nick. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> learned that maxim in your time. You may want to apply it. To other I just, <laughs> I just love watching you two wax poetic about LeBron. It's like watching the two old guys on the Muppets just reminisce about uh, the good old <laughs> oh, days. He's, he's still great. doing it. You're, you're going to be talking about that about KD at some point too. You'll get there. All right. So, so there's actually three injury issues on the Lakers regardless of Mo Bamba. So you have AD on this back-to-back. And by the way, the foot injury, he described, you wrote about how painful it was for him. A re-aggravation there would be devastating. Secondly, it's on the navicular bone, which is like the red light issue with a big man. You know, you don't want to break your foot if you're the big man. If you break the navicular bone, it's probably a year. It's the keystone on a bridge, man. Like that thing yeah. deteriorates, the whole thing crumbles down. Right. So like I like this morning, I, I did first take with Stephen A. And Stephen A. was screaming basically at Anthony Davis, challenging him to play both games. And I kind of interjected, 
you know, I don't necessarily think it's his call. I think it's the training staff. And he basically told that the, that he should tell the, the, the doctors and trainers to stick it. I'm going to play. I mean, I understand that, you know, that concept in theory, but you know, I also have covered guys who've broken the navicular bone and it ain't good. Um, so I, I get it. I get why there's trepidation. Then you have LeBron who is basically saying without saying that he's risking blowing that thing out again and didn't even rule out, uh, probably, you know, maybe needing to have surgery on it either way. I mean, he said he had several doctors who told him he should get surgery. And he, and right. he had this one guy, the LeBron James of feet, who said no, but, you know, <laughs> we'll see where things stand. Off. It's an, an iconic quote. But also he said, if he said, if I have surgery this offseason, you'll never know is what, yeah, he, right. is what he said. Yeah. Um, and then let me ask you about D'Angelo Russell, who I think got downgraded for this game earlier today. Yes, he did. Um, you know, Russell's another variance player in a playoff series. He might have three games where he's ineffective, but three or two games where he's a killer. And so it's good to have, if you're going to have some variance players, you want to have all of them in there. So you give all of them, you know, you're rolling the dice. You want to have some of them come up with, uh, I don't know if you want snake eyes or I don't know what the metaphor would be, but um, what about all those guys in this back-to-back? Obviously when this pod comes out, one of them will one of the games will have been played, but the big one will be on the offing yet. I mean, Russell, his approach to injuries since joining the Lakers has been erring on not just the side of caution. He's on the other side of caution and then 100 yards away from the fence. Uh, six games missed with a minor rolled ankle. Two games missed with a hip strain, just minor discomfort. Sits out the second half in – um, Houston and and now was just downgraded for this game as you mentioned one, one of the biggest games um, uh, that the Lakers have played in the last three years. Uh, but as much as he is a Laker, he has reminded us, I am a free agent. And uh, you know, listen, we saw guys not play in the bubble um, because they had impending free agency and they didn't want to mess with that, potentially get hurt, potentially add that variance to use your word to, um, you know, those games that were being played and and mess up their bag. And, um, but that's kind of where the Alcrum's razor is here. Like, cause they, if he can't perform in in these moments and these, these games that matter more than anything else, then you, is that the guy you want to be opening up and offering a $35 million a year contract to? It's, going to be fascinating because this clipper game is really really important i mean the thing about it is the lakers are not in good shape on tie breaks um well they have the, they have the warriors this is a big yeah one. the warriors have basically no tie breaks because it's very hard to get a tiebreaker when you don't <laughs> win a game on the road yeah. uh, how do you do it you know because most of them start to come down to head to head the other thing is the warriors have a crap divisional record and that's um i don't understand why divisional record is a tie break in the yeah, whole conference. I agree. what the get rid of that i mean to can be we honest throw with that you, back should... in the cba are they accepting addendums <laughs> yeah i don't know there's a reconciliation period the thing is they probably should have gotten rid of divisions but i think adam silver i shouldn't distribute it to him i think there's like they want to keep something there to make the winning the division have value making 
but like the Lakers record in their division is awful. I think they're five and nine. And so they are, even if they're in decent shape on a head to head, you get into divisional record and they're just going to lose all those. The the only head. So, and then the Clippers have owned them. So they have the head to head. So um, the, the game with the Clippers, they, they, they need to get ahead of them because they lose a tie. Yeah. Um, So uh, this is, and and they've lost 10 in a row to the Clippers, 10 in a row, Brian. That's crazy. Like LeBron should not abide that. I know he wasn't probably played in quite a few of them, but he just can't abide that. And um, none of them have been this important, right? Oh, absolutely not. The, yeah, I mean, they, they, a lot of them have had, you know, kind of a marquee element to them. They've played on opening sure. night. They played on Christmas Day. They were the first game when the NBA resumed in the bubble, uh, you know, the big national televised game. But no, this is, you know, this is as close as we've gotten to battle for L.A. Uh, in, in this game on Wednesday and you throw in the extra element to you know, Russell Westbrook in his first game back against the Lakers, it'll be electric. For sure. So there's a, I, I you know, I, Stephen A was flying out there to go to the game. Like he's also going to be on countdown. Like he was really fired up about it. It's basically a provisional playoff game. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be that big. And so if AD and Russell don't play, even if there's a reasonable excuse, that's going to be a hard one to come back from. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Yeah, and and again, I don't, you know, I'm hoping to find out more tonight when I get to the arena um, about what the evaluation process will entail. Um, but but as of last week, um, you know, I kicked the tires around that because there, there was kind of a report floating out there that, you know, the, that things have changed already. And, and I was told that's not the case. As of last week, it was, you know, still uh, Anthony Davis was, was barred from back to backs. Okay. So. The thing that's going to get the Lakers through this is their defense. They are the number one defensive team in the league since the since the Westbrook trade, and it hasn't just been like they've brought in great defenders. I think part of it also some of that is, is that <laughs> Jerry oh, Vanderbilt. Right. Well, Vanderbilt's <laughs> terrific, but it's also the fact that you know Westbrook was a challenge in that regard, 
And um, so if they're going to get through this week and in, and really through the afterwards, it's probably going to be with that defense. I mean, what held them somewhere near respectability at the beginning of the season was defense. Um, because while they've had some games where they've hit threes, like, you know, they've Russell's had some games, Beasley's had some games, their overall three point shooting hasn't been better, but they're, you know, they've got a little bit more of a weapon now. So, you know, that's where I think that's what they're going to have to rely on this week is, you know, can they get through four more games of good defense to give themselves a chance? I think they probably need to go three and one to get for sure in the top six. Um, and I think that's probably doable, Dave, especially if they can get the two wins over the jazz. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, that's, that's the number, uh, in my mind as well. And oh, it's going to be defense and free throws. Like, you know, they've had this incredible free throw differential th- this season. And, you know, you, we remember some of these big moments when they weren't getting calls. Uh, you know, I remember, Right. Um, obviously, the Boston game, but uh, there was another home game. I think it was against Miami, where you know that afterwards, that's what we were talking about was you know some of the calls they thought were missed. But overall, they're getting a beneficial whistle. Anthony Davis averaging eight point one free throw attempts this season, back up near his attempts when he you know when they won the championship, eight point five that season. Obviously, of this last stretch, you know it's you know, 12, 13 a game uh, on this road trip. And in Austin Reeves, four of his last nine games, double-digit free throw attempts when in his entire career before the stretch, only had one game with double free throw attempts, double-digit free throw attempts. So they are uh, using that their advantage because obviously not only are you getting theoretically free points, but then you get into the other team's bench and, you know, you're playing against lower-level players. And um, I'll give – Credit to, to Darvin Ham. It's not something that he can ever control because the referees are, you know, the third party there. But part of his approach ever since he talked about his designs for for running a team in the offseason was uh, being a team that that loves and lives in the paint. And uh, you know, uh, when you're in the paint, you're going to get calls. And Austin Reeves gets to the foul line. It's crazy to see. I mean, he's He's learned some tricks in his young age. Um, before we go, I wanted to talk about the Knicks, um, one of the teams that Nick uh, covers uh, there in New York where he's uh, based. Um, the Knicks are uh, in decent shape. They don't play tonight. They play at the Pacers tomorrow, but they're pretty close um, to locking down the fifth seed. They did clinch uh, the playoffs Um it's all probably about the only thing that's assured in the NBA playoffs right now is that the Knicks and Cavs are probably going to play each other in a four or five matchup. They played last Friday in Cleveland. Jalen Brunson scored uh, 48 points. Uh, Donovan Mitchell scored 40 uh, and the Knicks pulled out the win. The Knicks are three and one against the Cavs this year. Uh, their bench was a big factor in that series where they played in that season series. Uh, the Knicks bench just crushed the Cavs bench. Um, and obviously Nick Julius Randall, uh, spraining his ankle, uh, last week, he'll be reevaluated basically what, like right before, like a day or two before the, the potential series starts on Saturday or Sunday of next week. All Tibbs would say when he was asked, would Randall be ready for the playoffs was, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. 
we'll see how it goes. And I immediately started having flashbacks to him saying, well, we'll see when Derek's ready, he'll play. So, <laughs> Oh no. Uh, when, oh no. When you're, when you're watching this Knicks team though, guys, this is a prototypical Tom Thibodeau group. They are just going to beat the hell out of you. They're going to, they're going to get contributions from different guys. I'm only frustrated because a few years ago, I think during the, the, the next COVID season after the bubble, I, I had the assignment of writing about Tibbs guys and who embodied the, the Tibbs persona and this fraternity of guys that would give everything they had and fight through everything they had. And, and Randall was the impetus for that exact story. And I'm talking to all these old bulls and they're saying, you got to be tough minded. Uh, you you got to fight through pain, all the cliches that we associate with Tibbs. Well, the ultimate Tibbs guy is Jalen Brunson. He has known Tibbs since he was a little kid. His dad, Rick, played for him. Uh, he's now on the staff with the Knicks. Tibbs and Brunson are like one out there. And to see him in this type of environment with Tibbs shows me not only what they did on Friday, and it was loud as hell in there, and you guys have both been in plenty of loud games in Cleveland. Uh, the The atmosphere is back, I'd say, uh, from what I was used to watching LeBron all those years uh, kick the Bulls uh, up and down the floor. But when you see this Knicks group, they absolutely believe that they can beat the Cavs, and they believe it because Brunson is playing at an incredibly high level. And they feel like Randall will get back. But B, on top of that, as you mentioned, they're getting these nights from other guys. They're going to be key in any playoff series. So to watch this team is to go back into a time machine and watch Tibbs work his magic. Do I think the ceiling is anything beyond the second round? Absolutely not. And the Cavs may beat him in that first round series. But uh, the, the Cavs, with all the hype they got, certainly don't scare me as a team that can do much more than aside from beat maybe beating the Knicks in seven games. Really? Why? Yeah. Cavs are, I mean, they got roster balance. They got a dynamic number one scorer who can get you a bucket the last five seconds of a shot clock when defense is clamped down. They got the Cavs are not group. beating Boston or Milwaukee flatly. That ain't going to happen. So, uh, Philly, I still don't buy Philly in large part because I don't buy that Harden is going to play every night in the playoffs like we're used to seeing from three or four years ago. But I just feel like Cleveland is still a major piece away. And as great as Donovan Mitchell is in the regular season, what has Donovan Mitchell ever won in the playoffs? And until he does, uh, I think that is going to follow him around and this team around I actually would disagree. I don't think they're a major piece away. I think they are developing talent away, and you know, that's just time because I think they have the right group. But, yeah, I mean, they could stand to have a more reliable bench score, um, you know, than you know, Karis LeVert and Chetty Osman, you know, Dean Wade, these guys that, you know, have had their moments. But I don't know. I think they're, they're a pretty formidable group. The advanced numbers really, really like them. So – they're all and I'm offense, about analytics guys. So clearly in terms of offensive rating, the Cavs are the seventh best offense in the league. 
In terms of defensive rating, they're number one. So you get a team that's in the top seven in both of those. I mean, that's the profile of teams that have been in the finals in some years. Their net rating, because I just talked about how high those are, which um, you know a lot of people feel like is sort of one of the golden numbers, what they do per 100 possessions, is second best in the NBA behind the Celtics. You know, it's better than the 76ers, Grizzlies. It's better than the Bucks. It's better than the Nuggets. Um, uh, the Cavs are three and one against Boston, two and two against the Bucks, and one and two against the uh, 76ers. Um, they have a guy in Donovan Mitchell who's in theory a difference-making player. Not in theory, he is a difference-making player in playoff games. And he's been ramping up. He's scored 40 points his last three games coming into tonight in Orlando. Um, he, you know, has had, he had some injuries early in the season or in sort of the mid-season, um, you know, some, some issues he was dealing with. And he looks healthy. I don't know, only he knows how he feels, but he looks like he's getting healthy there. Now, from a from a numbers, from a straight like analysis standpoint, like they look like they're a formidable team. However, when you watch them play, they have some strategic issues. They sometimes will play a lineup, not sometimes. Their starting lineup has three guys who really aren't effective volume shooters. Now, Isaac Okoro, who's actually been out for a while with a knee injury, it's not 100% clear when he's coming back. I'm not sure what his status was for tonight's game. But um, they got three guys who are not really threats. Okoro is num- Okoro's percentages from three-point range are good this year but he doesn't shoot that many of them and teams. He did have a kind of a game winner, a kind of a game. We had a game winner about 10 days ago, 12 days ago when he, before he got hurt. Um, but teams don't, they ignore him and Mobley and Allen can't stretch the floor. And so at the end of games and JB Bickerstaff prefers to have defensive first lineups out there. Uh, Okoro is a good defender. Mobley and, uh, and Mitch uh, Mobley and Allen are great defenders uh, it's just playing them all together. You have issues with spacing, but that's been their starting lineup for most of the season. And JB Bickerstaff is like, we're going to play like it's 1998. We don't care. We're playing with two bigs. We're playing defense first. And if we just have a guard trying to, you know, be a modern day Iverson, not that that's how Donovan plays because he can shoot as a more effectively, but uh, from the perimeter, but um, you know, that's the sort of the 90 style of basketball, you know, beat you up and win, you know, 87, 85. Um, it's just the problem is they need offense. And, you know, in the game last week, you know, Jalen terrorized them, Nick, 48, just terrorized them. And, um, you know, the, 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 the bench for the Cavs, they, you know, they, they signed Danny Green in the buyout market, and he has not been able to do anything for them and recently has been out in health and safety protocols. Dean Wade, who is the big man who they could put in there, to stretch the floor, um, he dislocated his collarbone, which is an injury I'd never heard of before. Uh, and he's really not been the same player since then, since he came back from that. And some there's been some games where he hasn't played them. So um, the Knicks will have a depth advantage, but the frontline talent and the numbers do favor the Cavs. And that's all uh, well and good. But I'm telling you right now, Having watched that game the other night, and and Brunson had a career night, he was awesome. But having watched the way this Knicks team has come together and seeing the assets that they have going into the summer and the possibilities with potentially landing somebody else, I would take the Knicks and their future right now over the Cavs and their future. And I say that knowing 
Mm-hmm. They've got Mitchell and they've got a bunch of young pieces, Mobley, Garland. They look really good on paper. But this Knicks team, if they can get that one other piece to go with uh, Brunson and Randall and Tibbs going like a maniac, getting these guys to play better defense as they grow together, give me the Knicks and what they can do, even if Cleveland goes and beats them in the first round. And you're saying this because they have a more viable pathway to add a big star. Absolutely. Absolutely. Assets. Okay. Yeah, I mean that. The Cavs kind of have the Cavs kind of have the players now. I mean, yeah, exactly. I got. I this guess is it kind of de- team, right? This. Is I guess it, it kind of depends. Bird in the on hand is better than two in the bush, my man. Yeah, you told me that a few times about a few different things <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Someday we'll have an after dark pod with you two about your Syracuse days. <laughs> Jackson can toss in some stories too. Um, oh man, I was having some flashbacks. Ask him Friday night about twelve thirty after that Cavs Knicks game. I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the Key Center Marriott, going, "Man, we spent a lot of time oh, here. Yeah. I was getting we some... spent a lot of hours in this." Nick was in his fields and some of those. Oh techniques. man, I was, I was going through it. I walked back. I got Tibbs barking at me. I'm, I'm watching Brunson just dominate the Cavs, and I'm texting him, going. We spent a lot of time here. And Dave obviously lived there, but I would go visit and I would see what was going on. And man, it that just, it the was Key like Center all Marriott these in Cleveland. Things. You forget we have listeners, thousands, tens of thousands of listeners who don't know where the Key Center Marriott is, but it's in well, Cleveland. They're missing out, is what I tell them. Tens of thousands of <laughs> <laughs> I will say this Dave has always defended Cleveland. He lived there for four years and he's uh-huh. very. He, he always talks very positively about Cleveland. Cleveland treated me great. I, I love He doesn't it. live there. And he doesn't live there. Well, it, it, it served a time in my life. I, I always enjoy visiting, no matter yeah, the way. Well, anyway, I believe that Cavs-Knicks potentially will be the series of the whole first round. I, it's hard to predict exactly what the pairings will be in the West, and so it's a potential we could have a juggernaut first-round pairing, but um, Cavs Knicks, I think is ticketed for six or seven. And I also think is ticketed for some huge swings, like a game where Mitchell goes for 45, you know, maybe even in the garden, a game where Randall comes back from the ankle injury and has a huge game, maybe in Cleveland, um, great tests for Evan Mobley, you know, in his first playoff games, you know, Darius Garland is a, is a factor. I think Emmanuel quickly, quickly has had several yeah. really good games against the Cavs off the bench. Um, quickly is a guy who's um, not only uh, about to get a contract extension, I would assume after the season uh, he's in line for it, but also as a serious candidate for sixth man of the year. Uh, I think we could see a, a back and forth. It, it reminds me, I've been telling the folks in Cleveland, it reminds me of LeBron's first playoff series. You know, the Cavs hadn't been to the playoffs six, in six or seven years when LeBron went for the first time and they were the four seed playing a five seed uh, Washington Wizards team that had Gilbert arenas. And that was a tremendous series. Uh, LeBron one shot came down to the last second. LeBron hit a shot at the buzzer to win a game at home. Uh, the game six came right down to it. Um, Damon Jones hit a shot with four seconds left, basically to win that game. Gil had a couple of tremendous moments uh, in that series. Um, you know, you know, taking the Cavs down and that series was one, one, and then two, two 
So um, I kind of foresee that type of series. I'm going to be very much looking forward to it. And like you can present a case to me that I think the Cavs have the edge because of home court and because they're top end talent. But like, I wouldn't be stunned if the Knicks win. Like I said, 58, 42, you know, it's, it's, it's slightly different. It's slightly better than 50, 50 for the four seed in the 20 year history of the seven game first round. So um, where everybody will be for the first round, who's playing who we have no idea, but Dave will be covering it. Uh, I'll be looking forward to your coverage this next couple of days, the rest of the week, Dave. Um, Nick, enjoy Orlando. You know, <laughs> I'm expecting you to bring back tremendous Cavaliers content from your four days. With the uh, Cavs. Right. Well, that, the Cavs be, that's the awesome. only problem. That that series is going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. But both of those teams are going to get popped in the second round. It's like, oh man, there's going to well, be this yeah, excitement, probably, and drama. Probably, but and then. It's hey, but Brian, they listed the Cavs record. I know it's regular season, but they played all the top teams in, in the East tough this year. So what, let's say the Cavs beat the Knicks. Well, it's going to be a good second round series, I believe. Like they're, they're not going to lay down. And if no. the Knicks beat the Cavs, well, then you got games at the Garden against one of these marquee teams. And you know, that's be special, too. And again, uh, that first and, year, and, they, and neither one of those teams is getting through. <laughs> and I don't want to say that the Cavs have anybody on their roster now who's comparable to LeBron, but just again, in LeBron's first playoff series with that generation of the Cavs, they go six very entertaining games with the Wizards. The next round, they play the defending uh, East champs, the um, the Pistons, and it goes seven games. And the Pistons were the better team, and they won. And the Cavs were a flawed team, and they lost, but it was an excellent series. I could see, I don't know about seven, but I could see that being an, uh, a competitive second round series, whether it's Cleveland or New York. So, uh, but Nick, you'll be there to, to uh, cover it for us. And we'll be talking about it. I'm sure on this pod and other ESPN platforms. All right. Thank you, David. Dave, you don't like to be called David. Thank yeah. you, Dave. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you guys later this week.